please do so. It's what I do. People tell me, it's my birthday, don't tell anyone. Did you know it's her birthday? So don't, if you don't want me to tell it, then don't like tell me. So happy anniversary, Rose. We bless you. Everybody say happy anniversary, Rose. There we go. Happy anniversary, Joe. That's right. I salute you. All right. So we want to welcome everybody watching by live stream. We want to welcome everybody that's here. We're very excited. We believe Jesus has something wonderful for you today. Jesus always has something good. You can have just a few loaves and a few fishes and he will multiply it and he will heap it on you. You can come in empty and you're going to walk out full because that's who he is. He's that good. Say it with me. The Lord has something good for me today. He does. He has something good for you. So we want to encourage you to share the live stream. If you can, if you're watching us on Facebook, it's real easy. You can be a 40-second missionary. Just hit share the stream. Right? We're called to reach the world, are we not? Anybody? No? No one? Yeah? We're called... You share the stream. You're doing more evangelism than most Christians do in a year. You can do more evangelism in 30 seconds than most believers do in an entire year. You can tell people about Jesus. You say, well, I don't know if all my Facebook friends, I don't know if I want them to know I'm a Christian. Well, that may be the first problem you need to solve. So share the stream, right? Share the stream. If if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, uh, like it uh, or subscribe. So we want to encourage that. Have you ever felt like you wanted to just give up? Anybody ever feel like you want to give up? Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one? Like, it's over. At some point in your life, you're going to want to quit. Yeah. At some point in your life, you're going to feel extremely frustrated and distracted. Yeah. And here's the big one. At some point in your life, you're going to wonder if it's all worth it. (laughs) anybody here life's going to challenge you in some area in some sphere in some arena the bible has a lot to say about this and so what i want you to i want to just try to give you some hope this morning i want to encourage you with some stuff with jesus because when you feel like giving up you got to have some you got to have a foundation underneath you because you're going to feel like giving up right we have life We have circumstances, we have situations, we have our own brokenness, and we have a spiritual enemy who's called the devil, and all of them want to serve you on a silver platter, an excuse to quit. There's always an excuse to quit. Say it with me. It's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to quit. One more time. It's always too soon to quit. They that shrink back, the Bible says, my soul has no pleasure. And God does not like people. Is your name quitter? No. Then you're not quitting. Is your middle name quitter? No. Then you're not quitting. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at some verses here. And we're going to see, hopefully, six keys. I had seven, but I didn't think we were going to get through all of them. So we're going to do six keys to how to not quit, how to keep going when you feel like giving up. We're going to start here in Hebrews chapter 12. Paul is writing to those, well, they don't know who the writer is. It's most likely Paul, but they don't know. So I don't know. We'll, I, I guess we'll call him Paul. So since we are surrounded, they don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. They don't. They, some say it's Apollos. Some say it's Paul. They don't know. But anyway, it's an amazing book. One of my favorites. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off everything that slows us down especially the sinful habits that so easily hinder 
our progress. And let us run the race with endurance that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Jesus was willing to die a shameful death on the cross for the joy that he knew would be his afterwards. Now he is seated in heavenly places, in the position of honor beside the throne of God. He is God. Think about all that he endured from the hands of sinful people that did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and want to give up. Right? First thing it tells us is this. Remember, there are many people who have gone before you and had it worse. You want to quit? I don't care how bad your situation is. Somebody's got it worse. It's true. <laughs> and the Bible's telling us, remember, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, especially in eternity. They call it the hall of faith. They're witnessing you. They're cheering you on. They're going to exist. And all of these people who endured such hardships look at their lives as encouragement. Remember that many have gone before you and they've had it worse. Lay aside every weight. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. But one of the things it means is give up your excuses. You're always going to have an excuse to quit. You're always going to have an excuse to give up. You're always going to have an excuse to not move forward. The scripture is telling us, stop making excuses. Some people find an excuse. Other people find a way. It just depends on where you're at. You have to settle it in your heart that it's too soon to quit. You have to settle it in your heart that the Lord does not want you to quit. You may have to quit on a lot of things. Jesus tells you to stop doing a lot of things. You know, the gospel tells us to stop doing a lot of things. But if it's set before you and it's the purpose of God, you don't quit on that. That's where the scripture says, be faithful unto death. There's a lot of things that need to be cut out of our lives or maybe need to stop. But when God has set something in front of you, you don't quit. You don't quit. You're so close. Why would you quit? Get rid of sinful hindrances that slow you down. What are sinful hindrances that slow you down? People, places, things, choices, habits, right? Attitudes, lifestyles. These are the sinful habits that slow us down. So let's talk about sin for a minute because it's important. I'll define sin for the rest of my life because I think it's that important. There's two types of sin in the Bible. Everybody say it with me. Two types of sin in the Bible. All right? Haramatano and harametia, two different Greek words. Harametia means to offend. This is the sin of condemnation. All mankind is separated from God because of this offense. Harametia in the word offense means to push away. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have gone to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. There's a sin of condemnation and there's the sin of missing the mark and they are not the same thing. They're not. Not all sin is, is equal. The sin of, when you come to Christ, the sin of offense, the sin of you pushing him away has been removed. So the sin, Haramatia, is removed and you are now reconciled to your father. You are now a son and a daughter, but you still sin, don't you? Not me, pastor. I haven't sinned in six years. I mean, since I've known Jesus, I've never sinned, right? Haramatia is the sin of offense. Adam pushed God away. Well, actually, he didn't even push God. He pushed himself away because the Lord didn't move. He gave God a shove. I don't need you. Gave his father a push. I don't need you. But his father didn't move. Adam moved. And then Adam fell. Right? Haramatia. It means to fall. It actually means the hero has fallen. That's <laughs> what it means. When the Greeks would use the word, they would use haramatia. The hero has fallen. Adam fell, which tells you you were made heroic. You're like, I knew it. 
I knew it. I knew that Batman costume wasn't a joke. I knew I was a hero. (laughs) God's made you heroic. But we've fallen without Christ from our heroic position. In Christ, you are restored. But you are restored to a higher position than than ever the first Adam was. You're seated with him, but you're restored. You're a hero. You're back in heroic fashion. You may not be operating with your superpowers. You may not even know what your superpowers are. Some of you got utility belts, right? Some of you got flames that fly out of your hands, visions that you can see. Some of you can fly. You have superpowers. Harimathea means the hero has fallen, pushed God away, fell, condemned, separated, right? We've heard that language before. What Jesus did was reconcile that. That's why we must confess Christ as Lord. Am I, are anybody with me? It's not Jesus, my big fresh friend, or God loves me, therefore I love him. No, none of that saves you. It's important to understand that. Absolute humility and submission to the Lordship of Christ is what brings salvation. Intellectual assent does not save people. Conversion comes from the heart, and it comes through the acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because Adam declared himself Lord. Adam said, I don't need you. I'm God. That was the lie of the devil. You will be like God. Adam said, okay, I'll take that. I'm God. Separated himself from God. Became a sinner. Became fallen, right? Comes back to God, right? Rises to the position and is reconciled unto his father by acknowledging before the court that he is Lord. That's what saves us. Believing doesn't save us. Submission of the heart unto the Lordship of Christ is what saves us. James says, you believe, good for you. So do the devils. (laughs) The devils believe, and they tremble. Intellectual, unintellectual agreement does not constitute spiritual conversion. There's a Twitter. Intellectual agreement does not constitute spiritual conversion. Right? We're converted, not of the mind, but of the heart. We must believe in our heart and confess with our mouths. It's not of the mind, it's of the heart. It's not about intellectually convincing you. It's about you willfully submitting your heart. You can become born again and not understand a thing. You can be completely clueless as to how this works, and you can just go, I don't know, I don't understand all this. Seems right to me. I'll do it. Boom, that person's born again. Then the other guy was over here trying to mechanically figure it out. Well, I don't understand this from a logical context, and I don't understand it. He's lost forever. Intellectuality doesn't save you. Your mind is important, but the spirit comes first. What we're trained to in our fallen nature is we submit, the, we submit the spirit to the intellect. That's man's way. The intellect is dominant, right? The soul is dominant. In God's way, the soul is not dominant. The soul is your mind, will, and emotion. So this is exactly how men live. This is exactly how women live. They live by what they think, they live by what they feel, and they live by their will. We are led by the soul. The soul is the mind, will, and the emotions. In God's economy, it's completely opposite. The soul submits to the spirit. The spirit now is the, is the master, not the mind. And I conform my thinking to his thinking. I conform my will to his will. And I reconcile my emotions to what he says. This is the life of the believer. This is the kingdom calling. You understand this? Anything else is just a shadow an imitation, a poor copy. We have, to, we have to manifest what God really wants us to be, and that's where the life is, Christian. That's where the power is. The power is in that. 
So harimathea is removed. When, when, when you receive Jesus in your life, you're, you're not offensive to the Lord anymore. You are accepted. You are loved. People run around and say, I'm trying to please God. If you're a Christian, you already please Him. He is so pleased with you. He's happy with you. He's beaming, there's my daughter. He's beaming, there's my son. He's stoked. He's not upset. Isaiah 54, I will be angry with you no more. I will be angry with you no more. You're a Christian, you think God's angry with you? Your theology's wrong. Doesn't mean he approves of everything you do. He's just not angry with you. You understand? He doesn't approve of all your behaviors and choices necessarily, but you to him are beloved. You to him are accepted. You are accepted. You're, maybe your, your attitudes, your actions, your stupidity isn't accepted, but you are. That's the difference. This is as the waters of Noah to me. He's talking about the, the blood of Jesus. Isaiah 53 is all about the cross. Isaiah 54 is all about the proclamation of what the cross has done. Eh? And what does he say about the cross? He says, this is as the waters of Noah to me. For as I swore after the days of Noah that I would never flood, again, flood the earth again, so I swear to you by the blood of Jesus, this atoning sacrifice, that I will be angry with you no more. Right? Haramatea is removed. You're accepted on your worst day. You are loved on your worst day. God is for you when you're against you. Right? There's nobody in this life who works harder against you than you do. I don't know if you know that or not. There's no one who's more self-destructive in your life than you. <laughs> and Jesus is for you even when you are against you. The devil doesn't have to sit back and do anything sometimes except watch you make a fool out of yourself. He's not even doing anything. You only become a threat to him when you move on God's course. Then he intervenes. So long as you're on your selfish action, Christian, the devil never... That's why most Christians, the church doesn't believe in the devil anymore. Do you know why? Because we do nothing. You know what he's doing? He's over there and all the boys eating popcorn. Yeah, you look at these guys. But when you move forward, all of a sudden the church collides with darkness. All of a sudden darkness manifests to stop the progress of the light and the inbreaking of the kingdom. So long as the church is not manifesting kingdom, you will never have to worry about the devil. You'll get a hangnail, a parking ticket, and you'll think that's affliction. Yeah. Oh, she did my nails wrong. I'm so afflicted, Jesus. Pray for me. Pray for me that this nail polish wears off quick. Pray for me. <laughs> it's how we are. Shallow. <laughs> so true. Come on. So true. So true. We are powerful people. We are, the devil is always trying to keep you in stupidity. It's so true. And the church never fully proclaims the identity of the believer. In the Christian, when the, the world creation is groaning for what? Anybody know the verse? That's right. The revealing, the manifestation of the sons and daughters. And we say, in the sweet by and by, no, in the rotten here and now, creation will respond to the revealing, the manifestation of true sons and daughters. Creation itself will respond. Well, where is it? Because we don't know what we are. We don't know who we are. We try to play sons and daughters, but we don't have any spirit. It's true. We got a bunch of churches running around going, we're sons and daughters. I come like, not without the Holy Spirit, you're not. 
And not Holy Spirit over there. I'm talking about Holy Spirit. <laughs> what if the world would change when the church rises to what she is? <laughs> Unstoppable force. Unstoppable force we are created to be. Overcoming of nations, the church is. Powers bow to the kingdom of heaven. Right? So the early church, they overturned an empire. In one generation, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Not us. We need to rise. We need to rise to the level of our birth, and we need to accept no substitutes. Stop accepting carbon copies. Churches sell out their birthrights for light shows. Right? Spirit of Esau. We have the promise we have the birthright. We have the inheritance, but we'll sell it for morsels of flesh. Anything that requires anything of us, anything that's too difficult, that was Esau. He had to bring an offering to the Lord, right? Abel, my bad, not Esau. I'm on, I was on Esau earlier. Abel, like Abel, Esau, Esau didn't do that. Cain and Abel. Abel brought an offering to the Lord, and it cost him something. It was an offering of his first, say it with me, his first and his best. Yeah? Cain couldn't bring himself to do that because it cost something of Cain. It was inconvenient of Cain. It seemed insignificant to Cain. It was something that Cain didn't want to give. Therefore, Cain wouldn't give the offering. Yeah? And the Bible says he gave some of what he had, but he refused to give his first and his best. And he too sold out his inheritance. He too sold out his birthright. The Lord sat with Cain and said, if you will do what is right, you will be accepted. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, this kingdom's going to come. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, but you keep doing it your way. Therefore, that's right. sin lies at the door and desires to consume you. Desires to take everything from you. Desires to ravage you. You have Christianity in title, but every, every inheritance is stripped from you. You still have it, but you can't manifest it. What's that all about? Right. Come on. Are you sick and tired? I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. Right? I, I don't have time nor the interest to play games. I, I don't have any interest in this. The king is coming, and I will stand before my king, and I will answer for my generation, and so will you. You will answer for your life, what you did, why you did it, not unto salvation. You're saved but you will give an account to a master who has endowed you with much. Note that and write it down. We go before the Bema seat. We go before the seat of reward. You are honored as a son, and your works and your deeds unto Christ will be presented, and they will be examined. Yeah? <laughs> if that doesn't sober you up, I don't know what will. That sobers me up. I'm as sober as I can get. I'm sober every time I step into this church and every time I stand behind this thing, this pulpit, whatever you want to call it. Because the Bible says all should not seek to be teachers for they'll be judged doubly. I'm not responsible for teaching you what I feel like I want to teach you. Ready? I'll give you another one. I'm not responsible for teaching you what the popular language is of the day. I'm not responsible for teaching you even ready for what you want to hear. I'm responsible to teach it the, what the Lord says in the manner in which he has said it. So that requires me to go, what do you want to say, Lord, and how do you want to say it? 
It requires me to be in a position of constant understanding of what his heart and his word is. To the angel of the church, say this. God is always speaking to his churches. He's never stopped. Churches stop listening, but he's never stopped speaking. He's still speaking. He's still giving instruction. Just a thought. <laughs> in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, professing godliness, but denying power. Look at your churches, Christian. If they deny power, go to the door. Unless, of course, that's what you want. But if you love Jesus, my life is spent this way. I don't know who this is for. This is for somebody. Somebody's pulling on this, right? If you love Jesus, your heart is to please him. You have a lion inside of you who's hungry. Huh? Lions get hungry. They get hungry. And you have a lion in you who's hungry. It's true. And you are designed and desired to want more. And you are designed and desired to want to please your king. That's what you're designed and desired to do. And what does Jesus want? I spent two years of my life trying to figure out what a church was. Did you know that? Have you? People are like, well, I know what a church is. Have you? No, I really spent two years of my life trying to figure out what a church was. And what does the Lord want? Church is not all of these mechanics. It's what does Jesus want? What is at the root of what the Lord wants? I want worshipers. He doesn't want worshipers. Read it. How does he want worshipers? I say it every week. In spirit and truth. Right? Jesus isn't looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers in spirit and truth. Do you understand that? Let's add some context to what he just said. Well, Jesus wants worshipers. No. He wants worshipers in spirit and truth. He wants worshipers who understand and will encounter him and engage him in the spiritual relevance of his kingdom, in the power of his kingdom. And he wants worshipers who will honor him and worship him from the sincerity of heart in truth. That's what he's asking for. We give him what he wants. That's, what, that's our job. Your job and my job is to be about our father's business. Sons and daughters, what constitute a son and a daughter? They are about their father's business. You can call yourself son and daughter all day you want, but if you are not about your father's business, Jesus said there was a son who said he would do it and he didn't. And there was a son who said he wouldn't do it and he did. Which one is the son? The one who didn't want to do it but did it anyway. That's the son. That's the daughter. Not the one who says, oh, I'll do it, but then doesn't do it. It's crazy. Your sins removed, son and daughter. You are positioned Rise to the level of your birth, royal heirs of the eternal world. Do you understand that? you know who you are? The devil knows exactly who you are. Your problem is, is you don't know who you are. You have no understanding of who you really are. Because if you did, it would be different. Haramatano is the offense, or Haramatia is the offense. Haramatano is what misses the mark. So the sinful hindrances in your life... Those are the things that keep you from destiny and calling. They don't condemn you. Why is this? Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. So the sin of the Christian doesn't condemn them. This is where the church gets all like, does not compute, does not compute, does not compute, because we teach that sin is a condemnation. Not all sin is a condemnation. The sin of offense is the condemnation. So how is it that I can be in Christ and not have any condemnation, yet I sin and I'm not condemned? How is that possible? All things are lawful, not all things are profitable. How is that possible? Because not all sins condemn me. <laughs> not all sins condemn me. 
I know it's hard because this is not what we teach, but this is what the scripture says. And when you understand what the scripture is saying, these verses come into congruency. Romans 8.1 doesn't mean anything. There is therefore now condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That if you look at that as a continual action, there is not now, 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 now. It's an eternal word. Every moment of your life is no condemnation. <laughs> Every moment of your life, you are uncondemned. If your heart condemns me, you, God is greater than your heart. Your heart has no right to condemn you, Christian. Your heart has no right to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. No right. No right, unless you give it to it. No one can condemn you. Who can condemn whom Christ has justified, the Bible says? Who can condemn you? My sin. I smoked, drank, and chewed, and hang out with those that dude, you know. I did this, I did that. That doesn't mean you're condemned. It means you're off the mark. Haramatia means to be off the mark. You have a destiny and a purpose in your life. You have a river to follow. You have a road to take. And what those sins do is they take you on detours. They move you off the mark. So while you're not condemned, you are off the mark. Huh? That's what happens. How do I get back on the mark? Admit it and quit it. Repentance is not a condemnation. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is what puts the compass back to true north. Lord, I acknowledge it. Father, I repent before you and before heaven. I have sinned and I acknowledge it. Prodigal son. I love that story. I've sinned against heaven and against you. The father took the repentance, but he would not allow the son to lower his position. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son was the speech he wanted to give, but the father wouldn't let those words come out of his mouth because you are my son. Repentance I will accept. Right? The homecoming we will have. The right road we will accept, but you will not lower yourself beneath the standard that I have established over your life. You are my son. <laughs> you see how powerful this is? Do you understand how powerful this is? This is insanely powerful. Hindrance is the Greek word ekapto, and it means to cut into truth. Get rid of all of the sinful hindrances, ekapto, that keep cutting into truth. What keeps cutting into the truth of your life? There's something that keeps cutting into truth. Foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, right? You did begin well. What did hinder you? What did ikapto? What did cut into you that enabled, that, that took you off, off track? There's a, one of the ways you understand scriptures, you go back to the original Greek and Hebrew, you break it down. There's a bunch of different things that do that. But another way to do it is to look at how the ancient Greek writers wrote, used it. Polybius in 1450, I'm like a really, here comes genius mode. I have the mind of genius because I have the Holy Spirit, right? And so do you. Polybius in 156 BC, right? So this is a, a Greek philosopher used this word ekopto this way. Ready? You're going to love this. It is an accusative object that creates an infinity of delay. It is an accusative object, something that stands against what is true. And if it's allowed to remain, it creates an infinity of delay. That's what sinful hindrances do. They cut into truth and they create delay. Move you off your mark, spend five years over here, wasted your time, wasted your life. Some people spend decades before they ever calibrate. I'll give you another one. I meet them all the time. Christians who've allowed a religion to become a sinful hindrance in their life. Decades, decades spent in church culture, never understanding, never even caring that there's a kingdom culture. Destiny, decades of destiny vanished. 
That's why we need Joel chapter 2, where Rusty, I'll give you back the wasted years. Right? And when you come, when you come to yourself, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> but until you come to yourself, it's not coming back to you. That's the prodigal. When he came to himself, when he realized, I'm living a lie. When he realized, I'm subordinating myself to something that's inferior. <gasps> I'm subordinating myself to something that's inferior. <laughs> I got like a lot of places to go off that. I'll give you one. Israel was never, when God was angry with Israel, it was never so much related to their sin. It was related to their actions that lowered themselves. That's insanely important. They lowered themselves, and that provoked the Lord to do this. Are you kidding me? Right? Jeremiah chapter 2, you see it all through the book of Exodus. They constantly lowered themselves, constantly lowered themselves, took on cultural images, took on cultural icons, accepted a, a version of their faith that was completely diminished beneath the one that he had established. Sinful hindrances, accusative objects that will create an infinity of delays. And I don't want that. Where are the hindrances? Your thinking, your attitudes, your actions, your choices. You need to reclaim and repent and move on. Right? So he tells them to run, pick up the pace, run the race with endurance. Some of us, we need to pick up the pace. You know what I'm saying? The night is far spent, the day is fast approaching, let us run the race with endurance. Right? Let's wake, let's go, let's wake up. Wake up. Looking, seeing nothing else, looking unto Jesus. This word in this Greek, and I was doing a big Greek study on this verse, as you can tell, that it means to be so intently focused that you lose your peripheral. We are to see Jesus and look unto the Lord that it doesn't matter. Nothing else around us matters. Jesus is our filter. The noise around us doesn't matter. The Lord is my filter. The Lord is my filter in my circumstances. The Lord is my fil filter in my choices. The Lord is my filter in my attitudes. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. The Lord is my filter. The kingdom is my filter. Again, this is what Christ, this is what the kingdom calls us to. We're called to this. We're called to this. You know, Jesus believes you're a champion. Do you know that? More than a conqueror. He has more confidence. All right, let me say it this way because I know I'm going to upset people, which is good. Sometimes your cart needs to be tipped over a little bit. Say this, Jesus, Jesus has no confidence in me. Let that happen. Let it dare. Let it, let it make you squirm in your seat. He has full confidence in the Holy Spirit who is in me. That's why when he looks at you, he doesn't have any confidence in you. He doesn't think you can do it. In fact, he knows you can't do it, but he knows in the Spirit you can and so his confidence is in the spirit and the endowment of what he has given you. That's where his confidence is. I can do what? All things through. You get it? He's not looking at you going, oh, wow. Look how endowed Kevin is. What an amazing endowment. He surely can take the mountain. No, I barely can take my backyard, right? <laughs> it's true. But in Jesus, let's take the nations. He has confidence in his spirit, Christian. He has confidence in his spirit. He believes so much in what he has given you. Look to the Holy Spirit. Look to who he has given you and what you're like, Lord, okay, this is what you're telling me. I can't do it. All right, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. I'll give you one. Ask him if I should. So I'm, I'm 
I was praying this week, good thing, I'm a pastor, I should do that, but you're Christians, you should do that too. So I was just talking to the Lord, which I love to talk to Jesus. I mean, all day, every day, I could spend, like, nothing could get done, and I don't really care, you know? I just want to hear the Lord. And I was talking to him, and I'm like, you know, you know, the, you know God is Father, Jesus is Lord, and I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, what do you want me to call you? You know, Holy Spirit, you know, like, but I was like, well, you know, what do I call you? And he's like, well, what do you want to call me? I go, I don't know. What do you want me to call you? And he said, friend. Yeah. But it was not friend. It was like, friend. Call me friend. I'm the truest friend you'll ever have. I will never leave you. I'm with you. You can screw it up, blow it up, and I'm still here, dude. You know, you can divorce me, but I'm not divorcing you. I'm still here, Right? Jonathan gave his armor. Jonathan was the heir of the kingdom, and he gave his armor to David. That was the image I saw in my mind. I'll give you everything. Everything I possess, I'll give to you. I'm your friend. I will support you. I will defend you. I will fight for you. I will never leave you. And when, that's who he is. That's the Holy Spirit, man. Come Holy Spirit in every way. In every way. So here's five keys. I'm going to give you five. I'm hoping. I'm going to give you. Yeah, I got time. I got time. I got time. I got time. What was that? Uh, the, the Incredibles? Anybody see the movie Incredibles? Yeah. He's going to get married. And he's doing all these heroic acts. He keeps looking at his watch. He's like, I got time. I got time. <laughs> so I'm going to give you six keys to keep going. You want to quit? You want to give up? You want to throw in the towel? You want to say, what is it? why does this matter? This is, this is irrelevant. Number one, the first key is that you must know that you are loved and accepted in Christ. You are loved and accepted in Christ. Every one of us has an innate need. An innate need is something all of us have. Every human being has the deepest needs of their heart. One of them is to be loved and accepted. Jesus answers that off the rip. Right? You are loved and accepted. That's the first thing. God so loved right, that he gave. We come to Christ. We accept. We are now accepted in the beloved. You are accepted and beloved within the belovedness of God's heart. You, if you want to keep going and you want to quit, why should I keep going? Because God's for you. That's what love means. Love in the scripture is agapeo, and it means to seek the highest good. It's not an emotional experience. So when God says he loves you, he's not having an emotional experience. Oh, I just feel for you, Daphne. I just feel for you. Oh, I just feel for Daphne. Oh, I feel for her. That's not the Lord. The, the love is I, when the father looks at Daphne, he says, I'm seeking her highest good. I care for her. She means something to me. What can I do to benefit her life? That's God's love. So why do you want to quit? If God be for us, who could be against us? God is working everything. You are loved. It doesn't matter what it looks like. This, even this circumstance is going to turn around for your good. It may look, amen, it may look like Friday night, the song says, but Sunday's on the way, you know? It may look terrible. It may look shot out. It may look broken, but God is for you. Working, you like that? Working out all other. Matt's got this smile that like glows in the dark. I can't see anything over there, but I can see his teeth. <laughs> There's Matt right there. <laughs> Where's Matt? Smile, Matt. Oh, there he is. <laughs> it's so dark in here. The light comes on. Anyway, uh, so know that, know that you are accepted in Christ. It's an innate human need. And you want to desire, and you're designed to desire. Say it, I'm desired. I'm designed to want. We treat this as a bad thing. I'm designed to need. I'm designed to desire. I'm designed to go higher. And I'm designed to go further. This is not, these are not bad things. 
Your father designed you with these things. They become corrupted by sin and selfishness. They have to be purified and corrected and then wants, needs, desires, uh, seeking achievement when they're purified and redirected, they're, they're not, you can't get rid of them. You can't, the church treats like if you have a want, it's like a bad thing. If you have a need, it's like a bad thing. Well, who told you that? You're created to need. I need Jesus every minute of every hour of every day. I need my heart to beat. I need lung air in my lungs, right? I, I mean, I need. I need water. I need food. I need, you know, I'm shocked how much often we have to eat. I'm like, you know. Again? Again? We just ate three hours ago. We got to eat again? She was like, what are we going to do? I go, well, let's go get something to eat before we get something to eat. Why don't we do that? So, <laughs> you're created for this. Psalm 27, you're accepted and beloved. Ready for this? If my mother and father, say it with me, if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will always take me up. That word forsake means to lay upon the ground and leave. If my mother and father take me and lay me on the ground and leave me. Even if they do, the Lord will always take me up. He will always take you up. He will always come to you. He loves you. That's why you're loved and accepted. Dog doesn't love you. Cat doesn't love you. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> it happens. Cat gets offended. You're not giving it food anymore. doesn't want to come around. Jesus will always come around. He will always be there. This is the, this is, it doesn't matter. Everybody forsakes you, but the Lord doesn't. Not everybody loves you all the time. You don't love yourself all the time, but Jesus does. Don't quit. Don't give up. Why are you giving up? Jesus loves you on your worst day. He's for you, not against you. Well, the Lord loves me. I guess I could, I guess I could bring myself to love me. <laughs> you have to know that you're loved and accepted. Jesus is a model for us. He tells us in John 10, 17, they're all accusing him. And Jesus says, my father loves me. All y'all can hate me, all y'all want to kill me, all y'all want to condemn me and, and, and stone me and end my life because I come to bring the kingdom. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. What was he bringing? He wasn't bringing Christianity, he was bringing the kingdom. When he came out of the wilderness, what did he say? Repent for Christianity is here. Did he say that? Repent for religious experience is here. Did he say that? No. Repent for the king's dominion has arrived. And they wanted to kill him for it. They wanted to kill him for it. He said, oh, y'all want to kill me? But my father loves me. The world may be against me. The world may seek my life. But my father loves me. Why are you quitting? You're loved. You're accepted. You win in the end. Don't quit. You know? You're going to win. John 15, 9. He says, just as the father loves me, I love you. Remain in my love. If you will listen and obey what I tell you, you'll remain in my love. There again, love's the highest good. The things God tells us to do are for our good. If you do what I'm telling you, you're going to experience my goodness. If you do what I'm telling you, my love is going to come. The highest good is going to come into your life. This is what he's saying. It's the basis of love and acceptance is the basis of our security and our identity, which brings me to point two. Know who you are. You want to quit? You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. Who are you, mountain? So the psalmist said, Who are you, mountain? You shall become a plain. You are nothing. 
David went out to the giant and said, Who is this uncovenant Philistine who defies the armies of his God, of our God? Right? He knew who he was. He knew who he was. The rest of the camp, all of Israel was in the camp shaking. They're all freaking out. The king didn't even know who he was, but David knew who he was. He's like, what, what's going on here? We're in covenant with the Father. This thing isn't. This person is not in covenant with God. We are a covenant people. You are his chosen. You are sons and daughters of the highest. The bread is for the children. The Lord will give nations for your ransom. He'll shut a business down in order to give you one. He'll fire people in order to give you one. You see, that's not fair. I say nothing fair about favor. The sons and daughters are favored. Don't cry when favor's on your life. They fired that person and they gave me the job. I feel bad for her. I don't. I empathize with her. And I should say, listen, I know they fired you, but let me just, you, know, you should probably look to Jesus right now because that's probably what that person needs. They need Jesus more than they need that job. He gives nations for your ransom. Know who you are. How great the Father's love is to us, that he has lavished us, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. The greatness of his love is expressed through our identity as sons and daughters. How great is his love for us that we, of all people in the earth, are sons and daughters. And every son and every daughter is royal. What's that all about? There's no kingdom in the earth that's like that. Where all the sons and daughters are kings and queens. We're all kings and queens. We've all been given the right of dominion. We've all been given the right of rulership. You have it. You may not be using it, but you have it. You may not know what it is, but you have it. You may not know how to use it, but you have it. You were given the right of dominion. You're given the right of authority. To rule where? And pick a sphere. Pick, pick a place. Where do you want to rule? What do you need to rule? Your job, your family, your circumstances, your finances, your future, your faith. Okay. True. Say this, I can define my life or my life will be defined for me. I can let Jesus define my life or our life will be defined for me. If you don't define it, it will be defined for you. If you don't define your marriage, it will be defined for you. If you don't define your money, it will be defined for you. If you don't define your identity, it will be defined for you. You don't think, you think I'm kidding? Try it. There's nothing neutral. You have to define it. If you don't define your business, it will be defined for you. Yeah, 100%. You have to define it. How do I define it? The Lord is the ultimate definer. People, places, things, pain, choices, families do not have the authority to define you unless you let it. Your past can only define you if you let it. Your choices can only define you if you let them. Your family can only define you if you let them. There was a bit of a shift with me when I came to Christ. My family didn't know who I was anymore. They kept trying to define me as I was. And I said, that's not me. That's not me. I had to separate myself from them for a good distance because no one would see me as I really was. And I'm certainly not going to be who you see me as. Right? Right. Thanksgiving's coming. You're going to be around relatives, some of you, that are going to define you in terms that you, are no, longer, you no longer are. Yeah, come on. It's true. I know who I am. I know what I am. And, I'm, and if I'm not accepted in that circle, oh, well. I know what I am. My Father loves me, just like Jesus said. <laughs> and I'm loved of the Lord. You must define it. Say it with me. Jesus is the only one 
with the power and the authority to rightfully define me. He's the only, he paid for you. He has every right to define you. And his definition of you is higher than anything you can possibly comprehend. You say, I'm a musician. No, you are far more than a musician. I'm a businessman. No, you are far more than a businessman. I'm a mother. No, you are far more than a mother. You are far more. You're a daughter who's a mother. You're a son who's a musician. You're a son or a daughter who's a business person. You are a son and daughter first. Everything subordinates to that. Everything. Everything subordinates to that identity. And until you get that, you're going to quit. Until you get that. As long as you see yourself in a lower standard, life will own you. The devil will know it and he'll play right into it every time. Bop. 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 He'll play right into it. Because he knows he can make you dance. Because you don't know who you are. I tell people this all the time. People come to Christ and the devil just goes. And he just watches for a minute. Watches for a little while. And then when he realizes that the person doesn't know who they are. Or he realizes that the word that they listen to or the teaching that they're under is weak and anemic and pacifying to his beliefs, not the father's. The devil believes. He's got a lot of philosophies. He's got a lot of false religions. He's got a lot of things. He's, got, he's the king of idols. He, he sets up idols. Uh, he sets up culture. Church culture, he sets it up sometimes. Not because he takes away Christ, but he neuters it. The devil is not out. When you become a Christian, I'm going to tell you, you guys can all fight with me, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you how it works. The enemy is not resisting you on the point of salvation, but he is on power. Every time you step into destiny, he's going to come. Every time you step into authority, he's going to come. And the lie that the Christian believes is that when they step into destiny or they start stepping into the path and they feel demonic resistance, they interpret it as God doesn't want them to, come, want them to do that. It happens all the time because the devil's a liar and because the Christian does not have the discernment to discern between right and wrong, what's of God and what's not, they think everything is God's will in their life. Well, who told you that, right? You know, the Lord told me to start this business. I step, oh, it was hard. I was hard. I guess, I guess it wasn't the Lord's timing. Did he tell you to start it? Yes. Did he tell you when to start it? Yes. Did he open the door for you to start it? Yes. Then how is it not, the, how, is it, how is God involved in this at all? You're weak and anemic and you don't know how to contend for what is yours. Oh, don't tell me that you're weak and anemic and you don't know how to contend for what is yours. You should be teachers, but you're still nursing at the bottle, the Bible says. Paul said that to churches that were decades old. These people were 10 years old. And he's like, you got to be kidding me, right? You guys are still nursing? Are we serious here? You know, you guys should be eating steak and eggs. You guys should be like, you know, <laughs> making it happen. You're weak and anemic. You have to rise up. First thing is coming to conclusion, coming to the terms, I'm weak and anemic and I need to change. If you put garbage in, you get garbage out, do you not? Any health freaks in here? Anybody? Anybody? Come on, it's all right. Come on. Yeah, there we go, right? So to, I guarantee if you talk to people that are very health conscious, they don't eat high levels of sugar. They don't eat candy. They don't eat, ready? Ready? Here comes, the, here comes all, this is going to be a curse word to them. Processed foods. <laughs> Stop cursing me out, pastor. He said it. He said the P word. <laughs> because it destroys their body. 
right? So when we, are, when we consume things that are less than what our spirit needs, it does not strengthen our spirit, it weakens it. It dulls it. It makes us want to take a nap after that big bowl of carbs, right? So it happens. Just a thought. 18 times Jesus publicly, defend, publicly defined himself. 18 times Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the son of God. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the bread of life. 18 times he publicly defended himself. He told those who had accusations against him. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. John 8, 18. I testify of my, on my own behalf. In other words, you don't define me and you have no right to tell me who I am. I testify of my own behalf, on my own behalf. I know who I am, I know what I am, and I know why I'm doing it. Your identity is the foundation of your calling. You have to know this is the third key. You have to know you're called. If you know you're called, you're not going to quit. If you're unsure that you're called, you're going to quit. And if you're doing something and you're halfway in and you're unsure, go back to the Father who will always remind you that you're called. You can go back to him a thousand times and say, did you say this? And he's going to say, I said it, Kevin. Okay. Are you telling me to do this? I told you to do that. But, but it's not working out really good, Lord. Well, then figure out why. I, I don't know why. You have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Keys to the kingdom. Ain't happening without the Holy Spirit. I tell Christians that all the time. I'm like yawning. They want to tell me their stories. I'm like, oh, you get these people coming out like, oh. And I'm like, where's the Holy Spirit? Oh, well, well he's there. I'm like, oh, okay. Probably not going to happen. How do you know? You don't know. I've been doing this a long time. I've been in a ministry position for a long time. Now, this is not ego. It's like I don't have a desire to create church. I have a desire to create destiny. I have a desire to see God's people rise. I have a desire to see sons and daughters flourishing and overturning nations and bringing about the glory that he has promised. Even if it's in measure, I'm pushing for fullness, but I'll take a measure of that. We don't even have a measure. We're not even close, but in my generation, I want to see it, and I'm seeing it, and you're seeing it. You just have to be contextually aware of what's actually happening. You have to see what's actually you're beholding. God is transforming. There's power here. There's purpose here. God is doing something extravagantly great in this place. I'm telling you. How do you know? He just told me the other day. He said, you have a wild root. <laughs> this church, wild root but a blossoming flower. Yeah. Jesus likes a little wild root. <laughs> he likes the blossom. We like the blossoming flower. Jesus is like, I like the wild root that makes the flower blossom. Spheres of culture, you're called at Kaleo. You're called where? You're called on. So here's, let me give you quick. I've got to go quick. I'm going off the map too much, but I don't know. I feel good. So anyway, so Jesus be blessed. You're, say it with me, I'm called. Every Christian is called. At Kaleo, this is an ecclesia. This is the assembly of the called. We are the Akaleo. We are, you are, have a calling on your life. You are called out from, right? Come out from among them. You are called out from. That's the first thing. Not, not be like. You are called out from unto. Right? So we come out from a culture unto our Father. We know our Father. We know our identity. We know our purpose. We are non-compromising believers. And then we are sent unto. We're sent out. This is the calling of every believer. Out from, unto, towards. That's the, that's the calling. You can't go towards until you know who you are, know what you are. You can't go towards until you're uncompromising. <laughs> 
compromising Christian and you're going to go out there and try to do something for Jesus, the devil's going to know where you'll sell. You see, people sell out, for, they sell out Jesus for their boyfriend or for their girlfriend or for a job opportunity. And you don't think that if, he, if the devil knows you'll sell Jesus out for a boyfriend, he's going to bring a boyfriend and he'll steal five years of your life, right? He'll steal it because you let him. Just a thought. Another thing. What am I called towards? You're all called to a sphere of culture. Every one of us, we're not all called to ministry in the sense of this position, but you are called to ministry. You are, have a sphere of culture. Some of you are in the business world. Some of you are in governmental circles. Some of you are in family circles. Some of you are, have faith ministries. Some of you are media, education, arts, and entertainment. You all work in some sphere of that. You are called to influence that sphere. Whatever sphere you're in, you are the kaleo, the called in that sphere. School teacher, bus driver, businessman, I don't care, artist, musician. But you don't do it with your own attitudes. You do it as the Lord says. Well, what does the Lord say? Well, why don't you spend some time with him and figure it out? Why don't you spend some time with him and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do with this business? Lord, what do you want me to do with this family? Lord, what do you want me to do with my faith? Lord, some of you are called to governmental positions. I saw Tassan running for the school board. I'm serious. I think it's a little bit away, but I saw it. I said, she's going to run for the school board. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she wants to run for the school board, but I feel like she's going to run for the school board. She's going to run. She's going to be on the school board. I feel like you're going to win. I don't feel like you're going to run. I feel like you're going to win. Yeah. Governmental positions, governmental spheres. How many knows we need Christians on the school board? Huh? Can I get a witness? <laughs> called to those spheres. She's a, you are kaleo into that sphere. You are called into that sphere. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You, kaleo, right? I'm the salt in this sphere. I'm the light in this sphere. Don't hide your light. Wherever you are, that's your sphere. Oikos is the Greek word. It means center of influence. How do we do it? Through righteousness, doing what the Lord wants. Righteousness is what is right to God. Through love and through power. Seeking the highest good with demonstrations of power through the Holy Spirit. What is the highest good? Lord may have you do something. What's a demonstration of power? A demonstration of power is not always a miracle. I love miracles. It's my favorite saying. I love miracles. Demonstration of power might be a genius idea that you bring to the table. That's a demonstration of power. Demonstration of power might be the ability to reconcile something that's not reconcilable. That might be that, you know, those are all demonstrations of power that come through the Holy Spirit, all right? That's another story. Know your motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? Jesus said, I'm, I, I am not trying to do what I want, but what my Father wants. You gotta know your motivation. You gotta know your call. You gotta know your calling. You gotta know why you're doing what you're doing. I'm always pleased to do the things that are pleasing to my Father. No one can serve two masters, Luke 16. Pleasing, say this with me, pleasing the Lord, this is important, and acceptance of the Lord are two different things. So we're running around trying to please God because we think that pleasing Him is acceptance. The word pleasing in Greek means agreement with. I am constantly doing things that are in agreement with my Father. It's not about approval. It's about doing a life, when we live our lives like, quote, quote, pleasing, it's a life that agrees with the kingdom, congruency, right? That's, that's what it's talking about. Fear of man, people-pleasing will prove to be a trap, but whoever trusts does it for the Lord will be secure, Proverbs 29. Lastly, fight, lastly is priorities. 
So you have all these things, right? You have a calling, you have all these, all these things together, but then you also got to create priorities. And do you know why? Because everyone has a plan for your life. <laughs> and everyone's plan for your life is not always Jesus' plan for your life. And everyone's plan for your life, my life is to be congruent with him. And when my life and his life are, are, are aligned, then that is the path that I pursue. That's where you go. You have to prioritize what Jesus has called you to in the season of life that you're in. I know there are people here that have children. So I just like this random example. But somebody's like, man, I feel like, I'm, I feel like this is what I do. But I feel like I'm called to write. But I can never find the time to write because I have kids. Yes, that's true. That's a higher priority than that right now. You have to prioritize the Lord in the season of life that you're in, right? I know this frustration all too well, but my kids are grown now, so I'm like, oons, 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 oons. Minivan or convertible Jeep? Convertible Jeep. Oons, 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 oons. You know what the Chinese do when they turn 60? They buy a red hat to celebrate a second childhood. The greatest stage of your life is past 60. Who told you it's over? Buy a red hat. You're in your second childhood. The church discards the old, right? Jesus doesn't. You, didn't, you couldn't even open your mouth until you were 30. Did you know that? If you were a priest, you were, you were told to sit down and shut up until you were 30 years old. Not now. Every 20-something from the pulpit's got something to say. In the, in, in the Old Testament, they were raised in that culture. If you were 30, if you, until you were 30 years old, you could not speak at the council. You had to sit down and shut up and learn from those who were older. And the oldest spoke last out of respect and reverence. That's how God set it up. Somebody said, well... Uh, you know, age is not a guarantee of wisdom. And I say, neither is youth a guarantee of ingenuity. Age is not a guarantee of wisdom. Neither is youth a guarantee of ingenuity. I got to do it. Oons, 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 oons. <laughs> you have to prioritize, right? Time drew near. Jesus moved towards his purpose with an iron will. I don't have time for any of this. Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work the Lord has planned for him is not fit for the kingdom. <gasps> That's another one. That's for another day. Like, what? Oh, I do have six, but I'm gonna, I'll make it real quick. We are free to do uh, anything, but not all things are helpful or profitable. So not everything you do is going to be profitable. It's like knowing what your purpose is and moving towards your purpose. What has God called you to do, right? He's called you into the sphere. You think you're nobody. Who told you that? You're the greatest somebody any place you are. You are, you are the somebody no matter where you are. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter if you're not, you know, I'm an Aldi. I'm the somebody. Nobody in this store recognizes me as somebody, but Jesus says I'm the somebody. I have a spiritual endowment upon my life. I'm clothed with glory and majesty. <laughs> it's the only way to go. Spiritual communion this is the last key. All of you, so anybody know, ever, I don't know, again. Anybody know Blase Pascal? Anybody ever heard of him? He was a philosopher. Actually, this guy was a genius. Yeah, Marcus knows. Don't play trivia with Marcus. You will lose. And you will lose bad. He will own you. <laughs> 
He says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room before the Lord. The modern translations edit before the Lord, but that's what he said. He was a genius. He was a prodigy. He was a mathematician and philosopher. And he said, Christianity is the only rational faith. Isn't that nuts? All of our problems are, 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 are stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room before the Lord. Listening prayers. What are you saying, Lord? What are you doing? Grace is in the eye of the Lord. Say it with me. Grace is in the eye of the Lord. What does that mean? Grace is spiritual power moving in love. Anybody want that? Yeah. Okay, you want that? Spiritual power moving in love is where the Lord is looking. Not where you're looking. Where's the Lord looking? We don't take five minutes to even figure that out. What do you, if you want spiritual power moving in love, Lord, what matters to you? What are you looking at? What do you see in me? What do you see in my life? What do you see in my future? What do you see in the world? What do you see that will completely impact prayer? Because you'll start praying in accordance to what God is seeing and how he sees it. Not how you see it, how he sees it. It's a whole other story. You have to create a margin for spiritual communion. You have to sit before the Lord and listen to him. What are you saying, Lord? What are you doing? What is your word for this? And sit and wait until it comes. Uh, I don't have to have a hard time. I have a hard time. Read, worship, meditate, listen, honor, create a margin. You want to access the Lord? Father, I bless you. I, just, I dare you to take five minutes out of your life. Jesus just doesn't speak. Start honoring him. Start honoring him. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the wisdom that's been given to me. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I'm called your daughter. I don't understand it. Lord, give me understanding in what it means to call your daughter. Begin to worship him and honor him and begin to let, that, let, let his power come over you. Stop asking him for stuff. Right? Seek his face, not his hand. If you seek his face, he'll give you his hand. His hand's always there. But God wants you to know him and the beauty of who he is. He wants, you to, he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And if you, don't, if you can't do that, you have an issue with value and worth. You don't know you're loved. It's true. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Let's just take 20 seconds here. We're going to close the service. We're, we're going to just do some activations. I just want you, we're going to pray. You can verbalize it. I want you to open your mouth. You can say it quietly. I'm going to pray for about 20 seconds. And you're going to give God thanks for what you're doing, right? For what you need to give him thanks for. Anything. Pick something. Are you breathing? Okay. Is the rent paid? No. Is the rent going to be paid? Yes, in the name of Jesus. Right? What are you thankful for? I'm just going to thank him. Father, we just thank you for the beauty of this day. Go ahead, thank him. Come on. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that we live in the greatest moment in history in the world. We thank you, Father, that we live in, a, in an opportunity that has revolutionary tools attached to it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that even in the circumstances, Father, you are alive and well. You are alive and well in my life. Come on, begin to thank him for something. I thank you for the family that you've given me, Lord. I thank you for the faith that you've given me, Lord. I thank you for the church that you've given me, Lord. I thank you for this day. I thank you that I'm in this nation. God, I honor you. I bless you. You are worthy of all, Jesus. You are the glorious one. You are my eternity. I pledge my life to you. I give you my life. I give you my eternity. All that I am, Lord, not just part of me, but all of me, my my breath, Lord, my blood, Lord, my life, every part of me is yours. I give you access. There is no area of my life that I refuse you entrance. There is no area of my life that I will not bring into your conformity. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Lord, I worship you and I honor you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So take a margin, man. You can do that. Can't you? Can't you? Write down five things you're thankful for. Right? Honor creates access. You want the Lord to speak to you, you're not honoring him. Honor creates access. That's another story, and I am out of time. So we want to thank you guys for joining us. We want to bless you. We want to honor you. We want to thank all you guys. We should have a prayer team available over there if you need prayer for any reason, but I am going to do this. If you've never given your life to Christ, today's your day. Today's your day. Without Jesus, you are hopeless and you are helpless. Your good works cannot save you. The state in which you die is the state in which you would be eternally. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Bad people don't go to hell. Lost people go to hell. The Bible says if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, I'm here to tell you there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Is hell real? Hell yeah, hell's real. Hell yeah, hell's real. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is risen from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to understand it. You just got to make the commitment. You just got to give your heart. I gave my life to Christ a long time ago and I didn't understand anything. I was completely clueless, but I knew this was what I needed to do. And if that's you, we're going to pray a prayer. Everybody here, pray with me. Just open up your hearts and receive Jesus. I'm going to say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. And I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, come on. Well, prayer team will be available. We want to bless you one more time. Blessed in your coming in, Christian, and blessed in your going out. So just receive the blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In the name of Jesus. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.